Hi, this is Dee Dee Pfeiffer, and you're listening to Then Is Now Podcast. Rise and shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Welcome to 13 Days of Halloween. <laughs> Welcome to this special episode of Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor, and I'm joined by my frequent guest co-host, Spency. Hello. How you doing, Spence? I'm good. How about you? Good, good. I, I guess you're moving into co- back into college soon, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm super excited for it. <laughs> uh, we're recording this right now at the uh, end of August, so obviously these won't be heard till October, but yeah, that, uh, that moving into college stuff is painful. Yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> Last time I tried to do it, the world ended, so we'll see. That's true, that's true. All right, so joining us also today is my regular co-host on the East Meets the West, a man whose knowledge of sports is surpassed only by his knowledge of sharks, Patsy the Angry Nerd. I'd say that's fairly accurate. <laughs> How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, uh, I'm a little... I, don't, I still don't think I'm awake, but... Uh, you know, I'm always awake enough to talk zombies, and uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a, this is going to be a fun episode. Even though uh, what we're discussing today is uh, kind of split the the fan group, and uh, it was a very divisive film. Really? See, now I did not I did not get that in my research, so you're going to have to elaborate at a later point. Yeah, no problem. And so, just to let people know what we're doing here today, we are continuing our yearly event called 13 Days of Hallowtober. Our theme this year is modern zombie films. And what that means is we're not going to cover zombie films from before 1968, like White Zombie or I Walked with a Zombie, any of those Bela Lugosi ones. No, we are covering the ones that came after and were inspired by George Romero's Night of the Living Dead in 1968. Night of the Living Dead not only set up the rules for modern zombies, it's had a lasting effect on horror filmmaking for the last 50 years. Today we're going to cover Zack Snyder's 2021 film, Army of the Dead. Class is in session. Mr. Ward, how would you like to make $50 million on a warm summer's evening? On a train bound for nowhere, met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep 
So we took turns of staring Out the window at the darkness The boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces Think about it Everything we did, all those people we saved the way they held their eyes. Look what he does you don't mind my well, What if I can see you're out of base What if just once We did something just for us You ready to play? There's 200 million dollars in the vault beneath the strip with a 32-hour window to get it out. Find the safe. This should be a simple in and out. It's not too late to go back. So if you have not seen this film, uh, we'll give you a quick rundown. It starts off with the United States military convoy leaving Area 51. Uh, it collides with a car on a highway outside Las Vegas containing two Las Vegas newlyweds. And uh, I would definitely say that this 100% falls into the category of distracted driving. The convoy's cargo, uh, which you know none of the uh, military folks who are escorting it, have any idea what it is, and there's a whole conversation about what it might be. Uh, turns out it's a zombie. It escapes and kills and infects several soldiers before heading into the city, and there they uh, infect most of uh, Vegas's population. And after a military intervention fails, the government quarantines the city. And like I said, uh, I have some strong thoughts and feelings about that one, uh, but we'll get into that a little later. So we fast forward six years, and we see casino owner Bly Tanaka and his associate Martin approaching uh, several former Las Vegas residents and mercenaries, uh, including Scott Ward, about a job to recover $200 million from his casino vault in Las Vegas before the military deploys a tactical nuclear strike. Uh, and I also have strong thoughts about that, but again, we'll get into it later. Uh, Ward agrees and recruits uh, his former 
teammates Maria Cruz and Vanderhoe, uh, along with helicopter pilot Marianne Peters, German safecracker Ludwig Dieter, and Chicano sharpshooter Mikey Guzman, who brings along his associate Chambers. Martin joins the team to give them access to the casino. Ward's estranged daughter, Kate, who works at the quarantine camp, directs them to Lily, who is a smuggler familiar with the city, who also recruits Bert Cummings, an abusive camp security guard. When Kate learns that Lily escorted her friend Gita into Las Vegas, Kate insists on joining the team over Ward's objections. After an encounter with a zombified tiger, which is pretty goddamn cool, uh, upon entering Las Vegas, Lily wounds Cummings and explains that a group of intelligent no zombies known as Alphas will allow safe passage in exchange for a sacrifice, and uh, which is awesome because Cummings is a complete tool bag. Yeah. An alpha female known as the Queen takes Cummings away from the Olympus away to the Olympus Casino, where alpha leader Zeus infects him. Lily leads the team to a building full of hibernating normal zombies. Uh, Ward creates a path through the zombies with glow sticks, and when Chambers accuses Martin of ulterior motives, he diverts her off the path, and she wakes the zombies. After she is surrounded and bitten, Guzman shoots the gasoline canister on her back, killing her and the surrounding horde. Arriving at Bly's Casino, Ward and Kate turn on the power, Peters prepares a helicopter on the roof, and Dieter works on the vault. Martin and Lily stay outside under the pretense of keeping watch, but instead lure the queen out into the open. Martin beheads her and takes her head. Uh, Zeus discovers her body and returns her to the Olympus Casino, revealing that the queen was pregnant with a zombie fetus. Again, many questions. Enraged, Zeus directs the Alphas to the casino. A news report reveals that the government has brought forward the nuclear strike, giving the team approximately 90 minutes. As Dieter opens the vault, Ward discovers Kate had left to look for Gita. As Ward and Cruz are about to search for her, the Alphas appear and kill Cruz. Martin traps the team in the basement, explaining that Bly only cares about the zombie head, which can create a zombie army for the government and is worth more than the money in the vault. When he steps outside, he discovers Lily stole the queen's head, and the tiger mauls him to death. Vandero attempts to fight Zeus, but is easily overpowered. Dieter sacrifices himself to get Vandero into the vault safely. Ward, Lily, and Guzman make it to the lobby, where the zombies attack them and swarm Guzman, who detonates his grenades, killing the zombies at the cost of his own life and destroying the money he carried. Zeus confronts them on the roof. Lily distracts him with the queen's head as Ward and Peters escape. Zeus fatally impales Lily, who destroys the head by dropping it off the roof. Peters takes Ward to the Olympus Casino to retrieve Kate, and inside Kate finds Gita and kills the infected Cummings. Zeus chases them onto Peters' helicopter, and Ward accidentally shoots Peters, causing the helicopter to fly haphazardly, as it might do when the pilot is shot. Zeus overpowers Ward and bites him as the nuke destroys Las Vegas. Zeus is distracted by the bomb flash, and Ward kills him. The nuke shockwave causes the helicopter to crash, killing Peters and Gita. Kate survives and finds Ward, who gives Kate money to start a new life before turning into a zombie. Kate kills him and breaks down in tears as a rescue helicopter arrives. Having survived the blast, Vandero exits the vault with the remaining money, well, not all of it, and later rents a plane to take him to Mexico City. On the flight, he discovers that he has been bitten. So, I have strong feelings and thoughts about several points of the plot, and uh, I'm sure you guys do as well. Yeah. But yes. So, 
Um, for, wait, before you dive into that, um, when did you first see this? Because this is relatively recent, right? This came out earlier this year. Yeah, I saw it um, within a day or two of it coming out. Okay, yeah, so did we. So. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be uh, what I was going to ask you guys. Um, before we, like, really dive into it, I want to say that there is, like, an expanded universe planned for this, you know, comics, animated specials, so there's a lot of hanging threads and, you know, plot points that haven't been explained that will apparently be explained in uh, these other media. Right, because they're doing the prequel, which is about Dieter's character, the Army of Thieves. Yep. And then Army of the Dead Lost Vegas is going to be the anime, or anime style, yes, Lost Vegas. That's a great title. Is going to be the anime style uh, animated series, which I guess it's all the events leading up to and possibly including that, like expanding that opening sequence that we got. Am I correct? Yes. So one of the first things I did after I watched this was I like movies and I like, you know, kind of like pointing out different things. But I'm not obsessive to the point where I will watch it frame by frame and try to pick up any Easter eggs or references that I can. I allow the uh, folks on YouTube who do this for a living to do that. And at the beginning, when we see the convoy leaving Area 51, there are several lights in the sky. And then they shoot off into the distance and disappear. Um, That's right. Which I think is really, really cool. Uh, and adds yet another layer to uh, what's going on. Because we do see more than, you know, we see several types of zombies, but there are several uh, mechanical zombies, for lack of a better term. But again, we'll get into that. But I liked the fact that they had different things, and there's definitely some uh, some stuff that could have been done with, uh, like when we get to see the... Uh, dehydrated zombies that come to life when it yes. rains. Yep. Like, that would have been pretty cool to see. But, you know, again, maybe we'll see that in some of these other uh, other medium. Right. Like, you know, they're setting it up just to pay it off in, you know, maybe the anime. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, the, the, the uh, car that crashes with the uh, convoy, apparently this guy had just married a prostitute, and <laughs> she was... Uh, you know, very happy. He's like, oh, thanks for making an honest woman out of me. And uh, oh, yeah. began to show her appreciation. Um, <laughs> and he was unable to uh, stay on the road, crashing into the convoy and just setting this whole thing into motion. Right. So let that be a lesson to you kids. You know, always concentrate on the road. I was spent, you know, I watched it last night again. I rewatched it, I should say, and... I turned to him and I said, "Yeah, they don't teach you that in driving class." <laughs> no, that's 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 the advance that the advanced class that you have to pay extra for. <laughs> so, one of the things we get to see is we get to see our different characters, you know, throughout their initial introduction to us in a slow motion uh, montage of everything that's going on as the military tries to. Uh, take Vegas back and, you know, beat back the Horde. Yeah. And again, they are unsuccessful at doing so. So they're like, oh, we'll just quarantine the city. My big issue is how did they contain it and know for a fact that no zombies got out? 
because basically what they do is they take shipping containers and they just kind of stack them up all around the perimeter of the city. I I think well well I don't know how they know if none got out. Maybe some did or or whatever. But I think relatively speaking, because Las Vegas is so remote from any other civil piece of civilization that while they were busy fighting, people were inside fighting the zombies, keeping the horde there. It was relatively easy for the you know the military to, to just grab a bunch of containers and start building a wall around it. <coughs> Excuse me, around it. I would say that's you know that's one way of looking at it. But you know, when in any zombie movie have you ever seen? It's like, oh, there's people here. Oh, they all swarmed in, and, like, none of them wandered off. The only thing I can think of is maybe some did, but because they're in the middle of the desert, like, they didn't get far. Right. And on top of that, the government was pretty much instantly ready for it. I mean, granted, the soldiers weren't told what they were carrying, but once the payload was compromised, they were immediately advised to run away. Like, leave whoever's injured, just take whoever you can and go. So clearly there was a level of urgency and awareness of what was going on to some extent by some higher-ups. So I don't think it's truly unreasonable for them to say, okay, we need to think about containment, and if Las Vegas is the only nearest piece of civilization that they'd be headed to, you know, contain it in Vegas. Well, and here's a question, too. So the couple was headed from Vegas. That means the convoy was headed to Vegas to begin with, right? Mm. I'm not... Yeah, so... They, they may have had a contingency plan ready to go. Well, they might not have been heading to Vegas. They may have been heading somewhere else. But they right. just happened they to be... Yeah. That was just like when we see everything, you know, all the, uh, you know, the commotion and the chaos and everything flips over and, like, you're in the middle of the desert and the only light that you see is Vegas. Like, it is big and bright, you know, like, you know, attracting a moth... You know, it's the right, same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, there must be people there. And we know through, you know, as, as we go through the film, that this is not just a mindless, uh, you know, eating machine for, you know, this this main alpha, Zeus. He has an incredible, like, he rides a goddamn horse and wears armor. So yeah. he's not just, like, some random, like, even, you know, Big Daddy from land of the dead or bub from day of the dead like he far exceeds their intelligence oh yeah yeah and you know what's funny too i noticed this time around that i didn't notice uh, i was kind of paying attention a little bit more to the little details and zeus had dog tags i noticed later in the movie when they started to show him more yes and i went oh wait a minute and then that reminded me that he's obviously he was the same zeus same character from the beginning that escaped and that guy was a soldier also because he had the soldier haircut. It was like shaved on the side mm-hmm. of the back and crew cut on the top. So Zeus's hair must have just grown in. But then it was just, it was a nice little link to, to let you know that, yes, that is the same guy that escaped from the very beginning. And there's a theory that there's like weird time travel stuff that goes on with this too. And we'll get into that oh, as we get to the end. But Let's talk about the cast and crew first here. Um, yeah. We've got, of course, Zack Snyder, who was hot off of doing the, the Snyder Cut of yep. the Justice League movie, which I must say, on a, on a slight tangent, I did not like Justice League when it came out, and I loved the Snyder Cut. Yes. Yo, you haven't seen it. Spent. I haven't seen it yet. So it's four hours that I'm still working on trying <laughs> to procure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I, I liked Justice League for what it was, but I was like, meh. 
Like, I don't care for Joss Whedon and his directing style because, you know, again, you know, the slight tangent, you know, one of the things that they complained about was the scene where the Flash trips and falls and lands face first into Wonder Woman's cleavage. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Joss just playing all the hits because that's the exact same thing that happened in Age of Ultron when yeah. Ultron shows up and uh, what's her name? Uh, Scarlet pulls a... Uh, Mark Ruffalo over the the bar to protect him, and he lands face first in her cleavage, and it's like, ah, just playing all the hits and all the upskirt shots and like the the focusing on Wonder Woman's ass, and the way they changed the way the Amazons looked. It's like, wow, just you know, find one thing that works for you and just run with that. Awesome, like <laughs> substance be damned. He went to the Rudy Ray Moore School of Filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it worked for Larry Flint. Why can't I do this? Right, right. So the film was written by Snyder, who did the, came up with the story, and another guy named Shea Hatton, who wrote John Wick 3, 4, and the upcoming 5, as well as um, the Army of, of Thieves prequel as, and the uh, Army of the Dead Lost Vegas TV series that we mentioned. Wait, and, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. John Wick 5? Yes. Yeah, that's in his uh, IMDb credit. Wait, did John Wick 4 come out yet? John Wick 4, no, John Wick 4 had, comes out next year with the, no, with the fourth Matrix. Three, four, and five. Oh, so clearly they have uh, another one in, in the works. I was like, wait a minute, I didn't hear about John Wick 5. Like, can we get John Wick 4 first? Like, right. let's not get ahead of ourselves. I thought so too, but I thought it was mistaken. I'm like, oh, I must have seen it and I just... No, no, it, it, I can't wait to buy tickets for two Keanu Reeves movies. I'm, I'm planning on going on the same day in the same theater of two different Keanu Reeves movies. <laughs> yeah, like, that's going to be uh, amazing. But yeah, the fourth one comes out next year. Uh, so right, okay. It was supposed to have come out last year. This year. This year, yeah. Yeah, they were both supposed to come out this year. They were gonna come out in May. Like we would have already seen them. Right. <sighs> Wear a mask and get vaccinated, people. <laughs> oh, we we went to the theater recently. I saw. Uh, what did I see? That Jungle Cruise, and Black Widow. Oh, nice. Anyways, uh, the other writer is Joby Harold, who produced John Wick 3, as well as Edge of Tomorrow and a bunch of other stuff. And he's going to be the writer on the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series, as well as the, I think it's the movie, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Yes. So. Golly. <laughs> How many movies are there for the Transformers? I think I've seen the first one. <sighs> Back in like 2008, and I don't remember. That's not the first one. The first one's from 1986. Yes, I was just gonna. Well, the first <laughs> anime, the first one's animated, but that's the best of them all. That's Orson oh. Welles' last movie. Like that's, that's the like, last yeah. thing he did. did. The voice of Unicron. But anyways, our cast includes Dave Bautista as Scott Ward, and of course, you know he's the famous WWE wrestler, who also is famous for playing Drax in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Films. Uh, he's been in. I think he's been in the Escape Plan sequels. He was not in the first one. Yes. Um, he did a great movie that we saw. Actually, did see at the drive-in in 2020, which was called My Spy. Not, not a great movie, but it was a fun little thing. He was also uh, phenomenal in Hotel Artemis. If you haven't seen that, do yourself a favor and see Hotel Artemis. Oh really? I have not heard of it. It has Charlie Day. Oh. It has Jodie Foster. It has um, 
Jenny Slate, Zachary Quinto, Jeff Goldblum, Sterling K. Brown, and her name is escaping me, but she was in, uh, she played the mummy in the new mummy movie. Um, she played, oh, Giz- the Tom Cruise one? yeah, she played Gazelle in, um, uh, the Kingsman. She had the blades on her legs and, oh, okay. That's a great name. why am, and she was in, uh, Atomic Blonde as well, plus, uh, Star Trek three. Why am I totally blanking on her name? That's the search for more money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was um, Star Trek Three. What uh, Beyond? That's the one. But yeah, it's it's incredibly good. It's basically Jodie Foster runs a hospital for uh, criminals and whatnot. It's really good. Uh, Sophia Butella. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then he was he was excellent. He was a healthcare provider. Uh, I definitely recommend seeing it. What is it called again? Hotel Artemis. All right, I'll have to write that down. Yeah, because what's interesting is I think he was offered um, a part in the, the the Suicide Squad, which is Suicide Squad Part Two, and he ended up turning it down for this movie because he get he got to be a lead in this movie, not just part of a team. Right. And um, he obviously got paid more. And what's funny though too is at the same time he was kind of wrestling with huh. the fact that he really wants to do dramatic roles and prove his acting. Style. He was wrestling with that. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> struggling with it. He was grappling um, I, with the decision. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, it was, <laughs> he was engaging in close quarters combat with this choice. <laughs> he was giving the decision to half Nelson. He didn't want to uh, be pinned down. <laughs> well, I just don't want people to count me out. Yeah, yeah. He, so he decided <laughs> not to throw in the towel and do this one. I think part of the reason, too, is he was tired of putting the Drax makeup on. You could tell in this movie his acting is really good. Like he really does pour himself into the the dramatic part of it. Yeah, he. I never thought he was a bad actor from the get go. Even when I hadn't really heard of him when he first came out as Drax, I thought, you know, all the emotional beats that Drax ever hit on was really well done. And I saw My Spy, so I had kind of full faith that he was going to be a great actor. And I think it also makes sense of why he would choose this movie. Is it, you know, Suicide Squad is very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy in the concept that it's a comic book team-up movie. Right. Whereas, you know, Army of the Dead is neither of those things. Right. Yeah, and he's worked with James Gunn, so, I mean, he was, you know, it's a chance to work with Zack Snyder as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's pretty much what he said. Um, so, real quick, going down the list here, we've got Kate um, Ella Purnell played his daughter, Kate Ward. And uh, she was in Kick-Ass 2 and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. As well as, oh, she's going to also be in the upcoming animated Las Vegas TV series. She does, to, to me and Spence, when we were watching it, she looks like a, of course, I don't can't remember the actress's name, but she looked like a character called Clara from Doctor Who. Yeah. Who was very uh, p- pivotal in the Doctor's history. And then we've got Omari Hardwick played Vanderho, and the only thing I saw that I recognized him from was Kick-Ass. And Ana de la Reguera as Maria Cruz. Reguera, yeah. Libra. And uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Now, Theo Rossi played Burt Cummings, and I remembered him from being the douchebag shades in the Luke Cage TV series, and he plays the douchebag here. I was gonna say, wow, what a what a uh, what a stretch of a character he's playing. 
Yeah. He's either a really good actor or we have some questions. <laughs> right. He was also in Sons of Anarchy, and I remember him from the TV series Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought he played it well here, because you just hated him right off the bat. Oh, yeah. And uh, I loved that the character of Coyote, what she does to him. is <laughs> basically, no, we need him. Oh, Lily? Uh, it, yeah. It, yeah. It really all paid off. <laughs> then we've got Matthias Schweighofer who played Dita, who I think is the breakout character from this movie. I mean, considering the fact that he's the star of the prequel. And when I looked him up, he's been in a ton ton of German films that I've never heard of. But one thing I did find was he actually knew how to use firearms well, and they had to train him to look less skilled. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thunk it that Dita was very well versed in the guns? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've got Nora. uh, I'm going to kill the... Arnesiter. Our Nezeter. She's played Lily the Coyote. Uh, she was in Safe House with Ryan Reynolds. And another one who was just in a bunch of foreign movies that I've never heard of. She, I think she's French, correct? Uh, Maybe. She looks well, Eastern she, European. Well, she yeah. spoke French in... But she was born in Paris, so... Oh, okay. She, yeah. So, yeah. And Hiroyuki Sanada played Bly Tanaka. Who he played Shinjin in The Wolverine. Well, he was oh, also yes. Scorpion in the Mortal Kombat movie. Yes. Hanzo, yeah. Uh, he was also, he got killed by Jeremy Renner at the beginning of Endgame. Um, he was in Lost. He was in... Uh, 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves. Uh, he was also in uh, Westworld. Uh, he's pretty much, when you need, a, like... Uh, like an older but not too old uh, Japanese guy who can right. fight. Um, that's that's where you've seen him. Well, he was also in Rush Hour Three, and in the original uh, Japanese Ringu films, which is what The Ring is a remake of. Yeah, he's he's just he's just awesome. Yeah. Now, here's one. Um, the next actress I'm going to talk about, and I, I'm pretty sure you know this, Pat, what happened here, but I don't think you know this, Spence. Mm-hmm. Um, the character of Marianne Peters, the helicopter pilot, was mm-hmm. played by Tig Notaro. And, um, well, first, let's just talk about her character for a second. I think she was like the Scotty here of the mm-hmm. Star Trek world. It, which yeah. It's ironic because she's on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> But what's really freaking fascinating, and when I watched it with you yesterday, because I hadn't seen it since, you know, whenever it first came out, I didn't know that the original actor that played that character was a guy named Chris Zelia. And because of sexual misconduct allegations, he was replaced, and Tig came in. But they had already shot everything. So they brought her in by herself for, what was it, like 14 days? Mm-hmm. They put her in front of a green screen for the most part. She did all of her parts. And they digitally inserted her into the picture. Yeah, she never met any of these people. Yeah. (laughs) I don't don't believe that for a second. That is wild. Well, because somebody asked. They're like, oh, what would you think of working with Dave Bautista? She's like, I never met him. Yeah. (laughs) That's... Wow. I mean, that's just... I feel like that's just a testament to how great of an actress you are. Yeah, she's... I, I firmly believe that they had some sort of rapport off screen and apparently that never happened so yeah the editing guy needs a raise and so does she i mean like they did they had all the scenes already done so she just did 
his dialogue that was well the dialogue that was originally meant for him like right. i don't know who this guy is to begin with you know apparently he's like a comedian or something but like i have no clue who he is uh and i think she did a phenomenal job oh yeah she was hilarious and but i was watching it now knowing that and there is something barely perceptible sometimes, not all the time, that you can tell. Like, if you're really looking, you can see it's, yeah. like, a little it's a little off, but, like, you have to yeah. really, really, really be looking for it. Yeah. It's, and well, that's not one of those things <laughs> until you point it out to somebody. Right, right. So, I, like, yeah, now I'll notice it, but... Yeah. But even, even then, then, it's wicked hard to notice. And, like, I was looking at that, I'm like, you know, we're sitting there, and, you know, we brought up... Uh, 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 Justice League, and I'm like, they can seamlessly insert Tignataro into a group shot, but they can't r- get rid of a goddamn mustache on Henry Cavill. <laughs> like this is stupid, okay. and I hate it. <laughs> well, thankfully, when Snyder did the recut, he, he was able to get him without the mustache. Well, like, and again. You know, not to go off on a tangent, but like that whole scene, the whole scene that they needed to remove the the mustache for is inconsequential to the plot and could have been cut out and not changed the movie whatsoever. Right. Like there was no no reason to have that at all. That's hilarious. (laughs) I saw Justice League once and I've still yet to see the Snyder cut. I liked it, but I liked it because of, you know, superficial reasons, not because I thought it was that great of a film. The Snyder cut makes it so much better and fixes it. It's not just like, oh, no, we can't win. Oh, Superman showed up. Well, I guess the rest of us are, are, you know, just superfluous and we don't need to be here. No, like it's it's like, oh, he's a vital part of the team, but he can't do it all himself. And that's the whole point. Yeah. The whole, all the stuff with the Flash, the extra stuff with the Flash is just brilliant. And it takes out a lot of the, like, stupid comedy. Like, there's well, still think... some funny stuff in it, but, like, the stupid stuff, like when Batman gets kicked into the police car and he's rolling around on the ground like, oh, I'm hurt, oh, look at me, oh, I'm trying to be funny. It's, uh, it's like, no, that that's gone. Right. But I, I think I mentioned this on your show when I was a guest on your show once, Pat. Um, uh, I hated the Ezra Miller Flash when that first came out. I did not like him at all, and the Snyder Cut made me like him and his character. Oh, yeah, and I can't wait for the Flash movie. Yeah. yeah that's and it's because of Zack Snyder. Like, this is what I wanted to have to begin with. And, like, I won't spoil it for you, Spence, but or anybody who happens to be listening, but... The addition of the extra character that we did not have in the first version, I'm all for. Yeah. Did they do him correctly? Oh, I yes. It's not, it's yes, not they did. Special. I'm well-versed in Justice League lore. Well, I'm just, you know, I don't want to ruin anything for anybody who hasn't seen it or isn't familiar. Oh, absolutely. I just, I know who exactly yeah, no, they did it. He's yeah. one of my favorite characters ever. <laughs> yes, they, they do that well. I mean, there's one, like, kind of questionable scene with him where it's like, why would that be? But whatever. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I am a fan of Zack Snyder as a director, and getting to see... This is really like his zombie follow-up to his uh, his version of uh, Dawn of the Dead. 
Yes, he considers. He said it's not a sequel, but he considered it, considers it a spiritual successor. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's not a sequel, but like it's his next zombie film, and I thought that he did a great job with that, and he did a great job with this. Right. So just fin- running off the cast here, we got Raul Castillo who played Mikey Guzman. Um, he looked familiar to me, but I looked him up and I hadn't seen him in anything else. And then uh, Huma Qureshi was Gita, and she was in basically mostly India, Indian films that I have not seen. Garrett Dillahunt, who played Martin, he was the other douchebag in this. Uh, he was also in Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles. He was a Terminator that came back. and uh, so he, just, just, he looks the part. Yeah. He actually has, he looks like a young David Hasselhoff. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, um, Hiroyuki's uh, right hand man. Yes, and Spence, we were talking off off air about this. Do you want to tell your theory about his character? Oh, it's not a theory. If you watch the movie from a plot perspective, the only reason the heist goes wrong is because of him. Yes, the only reason he's the one that he's the one that gets Chambers killed. He's the one that pisses off the alphas and ends up having the, all of the alphas and the fast zombies come down on everybody, getting pretty much everybody killed. Uh, and then he tries to then lock them down there and escape with the head. Well, and here's here's my issue. When they capture the queen and take her head, like, they're, what, 20 yards from the exit? Why not leave? Right. <laughs> I, mean, I guess, but I also think the, the point was the helicopter. Right. Because the nuke was coming. What are they going to do? Run? There's no cars out there. But he could well, run the helicopter. I mean, he could go into his car that he drove there and drive uh, yeah. away to, like... Oh, no, wait. Weren't they bust there? I'm sure Sonata, if Sonata's a guy that's like, hey, I... You know, go get as much of my money as you can carry, and you can have a whole bunch of it. Oh, yeah. You know, especially where, and here's where the, I have an issue with the plot. Like, they already, he was given that money back. Like, anybody who lost money in Vegas or had money, like, you know, casino owners and whatnot, the government reimbursed them. So there was no reason for him to go back in and get that money. Because he already had it back, and he's like, oh, 200 million is nothing to me. It's like, well, then why are you sending people in there? And second of all, do you know how much $200 million weighs? You're not getting that out with eight people in a helicopter. Maybe five or six helicopters, but not one. Right. So, Especially not one that was in such disrepair. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it has to be carried. In, no. Like, it's literally, like, tons of hundred dollar bills like you're not yeah that's not the point though i mean tanaka he was lying from the from the very beginning right but somebody whether or not that's true it doesn't really matter because that was ultimately he really just wanted the head or or at least i guess the blood but then it ended up being the head of one of the alphas yeah exactly so my 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 point is that you know whether or not he, he they could fit the 200 million dollars yes he was reimbursed obviously would he like 200 million more dollars yes but this was just a ploy to get them in there. He didn't have to pay them up front. He's going to pay them with the reward that they were going to get. So it was it was no problem for him if they if they lived or died. He just wanted a piece of that. Zombie. Oh no no I, I I understand I understand his point of view. But I'm saying nobody else thought of this. 
like not one of the other like half dozen people were like especially somebody like uh Dieter who's super smart no he's not like hey do you guys realize how much this weighs like do you guys understand how much fuel we'll need like why was he not like you know hey how how what like do you guys understand like the logistics of this? So you, yeah. so like that's that's my issue. Like you have these super smart characters and like super streetwise, except for like this one thing. Well, if you recall, when they were re- recruiting everybody for the team, the price kept dropping. Well, yeah, they were offering to these. He was so he was guys... giving them half half of what everybody the previous person was getting every time. Right. And what was Dieter? He offered him like twenty Two, grand. Two hundred fifty grand. Two hundred fifty grand. So I think it's possible in Dieter's mind that he wasn't seeing the two hundred million because he didn't know. They didn't tell him what the split was. Right. So in his mind, it was more of the first of all the challenge. I think of unlocking the safe. Yeah, for whether him. or not he got any money. Yeah, I think that was his his drive. Like, if you wanted to say like, why would he even consider this? Like. The fact that, you know, it represents this challenge to him. But, like, once he got in there, he'd be like, yeah, I'm taking way more than $250,000. Like, if I got in there and someone's like, yeah, it's two hundred fifty grand," and I was looking at that, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm taking whatever I can carry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think that's kind of how all they were. And uh, we will get to this later on because you, you mentioned something about time travel and something just clicked in my head about that, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the last three car- uh, actors I wanted to mention was Samantha Wynn, who played Chambers. Um, she was also in Wonder Woman and Justice League, and um, she was in the TV series Mortal Kombat The Legacy, or Mortal Kombat Legacy, I should say. Um, and she was uh, Ming, Ming Na Wen's stunt double, Agent May, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. Yeah. So um, she was pretty good in this, I thought. I thought her acting was okay. And then Zeus was played by a guy named Richard Cetrone, who is a stuntman. And um, a lot of what he's done uh, was being Ben Affleck's Batman stuntman. Nice. You kind of see that. Stuntfleck. Stuntfleck, yeah. (laughs) And Athena Parample played the Alpha Queen, and she's another stunt woman in Hollywood. Wait, hold on. The, The actress who played the Queen... Is named Athena. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yes. Uh, uh, so hold on. <laughs> Athena and, and Zeus, Zeus live at the Olympus. That's right. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I was gonna point that out. <laughs> I never caught his name as Zeus. Um, yeah. But I, that is still pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> She's a stunt woman that's been in tons of stuff. Um, one thing I did want to mention that I thought was really fascinating on this movie is this was the first time uh, Snyder, Zack Snyder, used all digital cameras, except. He managed to get some pick up some 1960s Canon 15 millimeter rangefinder lenses on eBay, and had the cameras, the digital cameras, retrofitted so they could use these lenses. Um, which is why, if you notice, the, everything sort of had this soft haze around it. You yeah. know the way the, the way he played with the focus and stuff. I mean, he's using, you know, 50 year old lenses here, <laughs> and, and I thought it worked well. Yeah, definitely uh, helped because it's like this is how, you know, with the bright blazing sunlight, you know, like this is how your eyes would be adjusting to what's going on. Right. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, he's yeah. he's a super talented filmmaker. Like people always give him shit about his, you know, his uh, slow motion stuff that he does. But it's like, look at all the technical things that he does as well. It's like when people give J.J. Abrams shit. It's like, oh, lens flares, ooh, so edgy. But it's like, no, like just look at what they're doing and like they're recreating how you would be looking at this, you know, action that's going on. Or even if there's not even any action, it's like. You know, you're walking through the desert and they're like really simulating that. And like he went out of his way to make sure that he would be able to achieve the look that he was going for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's really cool is like the, the opening sequence took five weeks to shoot. But the entire film, he was the director of photography. He was the camera guy on the film. So not only did he direct it, he like Robert Rodriguez, who, who quite often is his own DP. Um, he was the cameraman also in this. Makes sense. That was cool. Yeah, because I, you know, th that's how. Whenever I've done stuff, I shoot it and edit it myself. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily trust other people to shoot it. Uh, not that I've shot a lot, but in the stuff that I've done. See, I would be the uh, opposite. Like when I shoot my my film, I already have someone who's gonna shoot it for me. Like I'm just gonna direct and, you know. Can <laughs> have your. Your beret and your pants that go out on the sides of the hips. My puffy, yeah, my puffy director pants. Yeah, <laughs> riding crop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I gotta look the part. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit... We have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't. Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. Hi, this is Rigor, host of Then Is Now podcast and The East Meets the West. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate your support as we grow the audience for our shows. You could find our links to our Patreon page as well as our Tee Public page at havenpodcasts.com. 
With Patreon, you'll get a lot of exclusive stuff, including our monthly pop culture newsletter, cool gifts, discounts for Tee Public, and our special exclusive show, Then Is Now Filmmakers series, in which we interview directors, producers, writers, composers, special effects guys, basically anybody who works behind the scenes in film and television, and get their insights into the process of creating films and TV shows. Also at our Tee Public page, you'll find cool merch that you can get or even give to others as gifts. You can find those links at our website, or you can go directly to tpublic.com slash stores slash Haven Podcasts and patreon.com slash then is now podcast. Enjoy. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, one thing I love about this movie is that, that it's got different rules on zombies. Now, we would have been talking about the modern zombie, how George Romero kind of set up the original rules. Um, and in this one, Vizzle, he takes some liberties with this. And I, I have some questions about this moving forward. So we've got, you know, they're the lower tiered. The, there's a hierarchy of zombies, which I don't think we've seen before. Um, and the lower tiered ones are slow. They're shamblers. And then the higher tiered ones, when you get up to the alphas, they're fast and they're more intelligent and they, they act like a pack. And uh, they're martial artists. And they can do kung fu, that's right. <laughs> um, they take offerings from humans. Uh, the, the, the shamblers become immobile in the sun, as you had mentioned. Uh, and they also hibernate indoors. Yeah, which I think I've seen the concept of hibernating zombies before. Well, I remember those creepy nurses in uh, Silent Hill. Those, that's not the same thing. Yeah, those aren't zombies. But it was just like they were doing the same thing, though, where they were inert. Well, I, I saw a lot of this movie, and uh, uh, most of the first half was really, I saw a lot of creative liberties definitely taken from some of the major zombie video games that I've played. Mm -hmm. I mean, A, the whole concept of the enclosed zombies, Las Vegas is a good touch, but, I mean, Dying Light and... Dead Island are two major zombie games that kind of were pivotal to the point of it wasn't the end of the world, it was the end of your world. And even in Dying Light, you play as an outsider who's going into the city that has been overrun with the infected, and there's, you know, the fast zombies who are, who are better than the, um, you know, the shambler zombies and stuff like that. But on top of that, when they're going through the whole um, heist sequence of, like, the going through the plan of what's going to happen and how they're going to do this and stuff, they have this whole, like, like, like superhero round shot of every character. And they've all got their special little gun. I mean, Van's got his saw. Dieter's got his <laughs> baseball bat with the nails in it. And, you know, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed that because, to me, that was the character selection process of, like, who do you want to live? Oh, like, okay. That, to me, was like, all right, I want, I want Dieter to live because I think he's cool. And I want Dave Bautista to live because I like him so far. And, you know, Mikey Guzman seems like a cool character. And that was kind of what I was getting at with that moment. That's I really funny. enjoyed that. 
<laughs> just kind of it felt like it felt like a new take on the filmmaking aspect, but it was taken from the games, you know, that I liked. And on top of the um, hibernation, there's this game that I that I played for a little bit. It was called it's called GTFO. And I'm not sure what it stands for. I think it stands for Get the Fuck Get the Bleep Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get the Fuck Out. But, but uh, there's a large chunk of that is it's a stealth horror game. It's not necessarily zombies, but most of the things you engage with are hibernating. And you don't want to let them all know. So the concept of like sneaking past them or having to kill them very quickly and quietly was definitely something I never got to see in a movie. And no, none of the characters who had engaged with the hibernating zombies were helpless or incompetent you know chambers was misled and stuff like that and she was right. sabotaged but you know even when she accidentally bumped into a zombie started you know taking the knife to their head instantly very quickly and i'm like thank you they're not stupid yeah. these people aren't stupid these characters are not worthless this is act this is like a okay we're adapting to the situation and this is a new rule for zombies that we're getting used to as as um the audience and then we're getting used to it with the characters too yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a, a good job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing that was cool, too, was they, they actually couldn't shoot in Vegas. They couldn't even get in there to get close-ups, like, uh, of the roofs or anything. So what they did was they used still photos and drone footage and combined it all to create a 3D map, 3D model of the city. So whenever you see the city, it's that's totally computer-generated. Wow. That makes sense, because, yeah. you know, you're not allowed to take pictures in the casinos and whatnot. Yeah. So this one actually was released in the theaters, uh, 600 locations on May 14th this year. Uh, that's just so it could be, uh, you know, considered for uh, for uh, any Oscars. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, which I'm just pissed because I, if I'd have known, I would have made an effort to go see it if it was playing locally. Ah, May was still too early for me. Like I still haven't been to a theater. Oh jeez. And it released on Netflix instantly, though, and that was kind of its big, its its big, you know, hype train. Right. That's what it was marketing to. It was marketing to people who watch Netflix. It wasn't necessarily marketed. You know, you weren't seeing commercials of "Come to the theater and see this." You right, were seeing yeah, it as yeah. this is releasing this day. Might be playing locally. Yeah. So, uh, Patsy, t- tell us a little bit about your. You had mentioned uh, in the beginning several things that we want to talk about later on, and one of them was time travel. Yeah. So. The time travel thing, because there's, like, aliens and, and as we see, robots, um, the time travel thing is... Wait, 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 back up. What robots did we see? In the casino, all the, uh, the, the ones with the blue glowing eyes were robots. Like, they'd get shot, and instead of blood, oil comes out. I didn't even... I noticed a, a couple of the, um, like, the weird blue... Um, hue that would come from some of the blood and that was in um, like when Zeus ends up getting killed at the end uh, blue came out of his head or even the baby when he ripped the baby out. that's yeah, different it was, a, it was a few no they, these are the ones the with the blue blue eyes when they had the huh. blue eyes and one of them uh, in the casino scene when they're all like running through and what's his name blows up with the uh, grenades there's one that gets shot in the face, and you can see, like, partial Terminator metal yeah, underneath. I do remember, I do remember that. that, yeah. So there's, there's robots, and there's time travel, and there's aliens. So, like, there, all this stuff is going all around, and you're trying to figure out. But the, one of the theories I saw was that Vanderhoe, you know, at finding out he got bit, and he's got that uh, Omega tattoo 
uh, yep. that he is the one fr- who is in the uh, in the convoy at the beginning. Like he's the alpha. He's Zeus. Oh. Yeah, he's Zeus. Interesting. What What's funny though is he's also the one when they get to the safe, they're trying to break down through that last barrier. He sort of mentions the people that they found on the ground that was the team sending ahead of them. He's like, well, they're us. Yeah. When you look at them, I don't know if it was just a trick that the Zack Snyder played, but one had the flowered shirt like Tig. One had the, the key necklace like the main chick there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there was a ho- very similarities of the dead bodies yeah. to their team. Yeah, like that was that's part of that... Uh that theory where it's like, yeah, like it's definitely them. It's like, wait, what? And again, that's one of those like hanging threads that you're like, wait, what's going on? Wait, robots, wait, aliens. And obviously that's going to get explained more as more subject, uh, more, more content comes out. I, I like stuff like that personally. I think that's a great way to do storytelling. I love when something is established in one movie that doesn't actually come to fruition until like the fourth movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's super cool. Yeah, Saw does that. Like the Saw series. Yeah. Like you see like little things, and it's like, you know, at the end of Saw three, it's like, well, what happened to the little girl that's like locked in this room, and you don't find out till the end of like Saw five. Like, right. Right. What was in that envelope? You know, who yeah. who slid the envelope under under the doctor's door? What was in the the you know case that uh, Jill Tuck was given? You know that you never yeah. get to see. You know, like all this stuff. Like you get to see it like two or three movies down the road. Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's a little bit of a difference between that that technique and what they're doing here in Army of the Dead. Because in Army of the Dead, they're like, "Wow, look at this thing that might actually change the whole course of the plot." Versus like, a, "All right, we're going to open this box, but we're not going to tell you what's inside." Because we haven't decided what the plot is. Yet. No, it's just you know the trail of breadcrumbs. Like you know, this is what we've got. This is a wacky thing that happened, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to pay this off. But like, that's a weird thing to just throw there and be like, oh yeah, that's that's us. We've done this before, and then like, yeah. oh well, back to the safe. You know. Like, <laughs> Right, right. I remember thinking, why? What is the purpose of the scene? Personally, yeah, I really <laughs> hope that they don't delve too much into the crazy sci-fi stuff. Because Army of the Dead was an awesome zombie movie, and Zack Snyder has proven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never seen the Dawn of the Dead remake, but he's apparently proven that you oh, can you do need to. zombie films. Yes. He's apparently proven that you can do zombie films very well. I really don't want to see the Army of the Dead lead into some sort of expanded universe that's filled with aliens, time travel, and robots. I'm not going to lie. I don't time tra- that. What about just time traveling alien robots? There you go. Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> in a different franchise, yeah, but I liked Army of the Dead for what it was. I don't want to, I don't want to see it become just a sci-fi fest of you know, just slapping a bunch of you know, crazy concepts together and loosely putting it together. I felt like Army of the Dead was a very well-done, self-contained plot that you know you did have a lot of options with the end with Van, um, not to mention the fact he ran through the like nuclear zone, so there's that. Um, oh yeah, he's totally radioactive. Totally got cancer from that. But you know, there's like that. I like I'd like to see that kind of come to fruition, and I 
like to t- not see the time travel and robots become a major critical plot point. Maybe the robot thing, because I thought that maybe that can be cool, but I don't know. I just feel like if they start doing too many things, it's, it's going to ruin the franchise. See, I think the uh, the whole fact, the, the whole reason why there's zombies and why there's different tiers and, you know, uh, all that, uh, I think that's because they were infected with some sort of alien virus, and that's what caused it and that's why you get different tiers and like that's why like certain ones have certain skills and as it gets diluted on down the line because this is probably the first movie i've ever seen where zombies can procreate like that's new dead alive I don't want to talk about that movie. That's not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, but that that was just let me throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Like yeah. this is like, you know, there's there's stuff going on and it's like, okay, she was pregnant, but was she pregnant before she became a zombie? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like that's in a, that's a question. Dawn of the Dead. Also, yeah, if you're a zombie and you're dead and you have no blood flow, how do you achieve an erection in order to uh, you know, I mean, I had the same question in Twilight. It's like, oh, I love Edward. It's like, he's dead and has no heartbeat, so he has no blood flow and cannot achieve an erection. How did you get pregnant? So let's just, you know, gloss over that. Like, you know, there's always stuff that people are like, oh, this would be cool to put in. And it's like, yeah, but how? Why? On on that note, though, with when it comes to things like vampires and zombies and the, and you know, famous undead monsters... I just recently watched the Underworld movie, and it's in the same boat of they're trying to make it a species. They're trying to make it, you know, a little different. Yes, they establish that you have to die as a human to come back from one of these things, and they, you know, they're covered in blood and grossness. But besides the Shamblers, these ones that are fast still have muscle mass. They still have the ability to move fast. They're they're smart enough to get out of the sun so they don't dry out. I mean, any any living creature stuck in the sun for long enough will just dry out and die, like the shamblers. It just won't come back with the with the water. Right. So I think there's a level of like they're trying to establish it as its own species more than this is just the undead and here's some fun concepts that we're throwing in the mix to but, make the plot the better. Point, I see your point to it being a species, but also keep in mind vampires only procreate. By biting people and turning other people into vampires. Same thing with zombies, at least up until this point. But I think that that was like the intention of like, we want to separate from the we're all undead concept and kind of make it more of a we died as humans and now we're this. Yeah, no, I get you. Like almost like a, an evolution type thing. Mm. But like, you right. know, you have the, the drawbacks. Like you can't go out in the sun. You can't have garlic bread. You know, that whole thing. Right. That's a big drawback. <laughs> garlic bread. Garlic pizza. <laughs> Oh, I can't have crazy sticks anymore. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but now they also had the zombie horse and the zombie tiger, which, by the way, the tiger was fully yeah. computer generated, but the zombie, the horse was actually in a costume. Now, all right, here's a question. If animals in this world can become zombies, because this is one of the first times we've really seen, except maybe Return of the Living Dead when that, that uh, the, what do you call it, the, the, split, the, the dog split in half for... Uh, scientific yeah, the, the split dogs, yeah. Yeah. But in this movie, so let's say the tiger... Now, the tiger bites people's heads off. Oh, the tiger so wrecks the, people. Yeah. Let's just say the tiger just bit someone and moved on to the next thing, like bit him on his side and moved on. And so that person would turn. I would they turn don't think so. Zombie? 
I see. I'm still not too um, clear on if the shamblers make more zombies. Yeah, I think I only the alpha can. That's my thought. Is and and that's my other thought with Van being you know kind of the last alpha. He's not patient zero. He's not Zeus. He can't make more alphas. So if he went and started biting people, he would just end up, you know, like just making shamblers. And I don't know if shamblers can make more more of them. And if you notice, actually, at the very beginning, when he when Zeus attacks the the squadron of soldiers, um, he doesn't like eat them. He kills them, and then they become alphas. Yeah, right. that's what he so that's what he does. So he's clearly intentionally doing that from from the get go. There's no like, oh wow, I can turn people into alphas. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, like what he did with uh, that they can make like what he did with Cummings. Mm, yeah, just one bite and then took him off. So all right, so so then the hierarchy. Let me see if I got this straight. The hierarchy is Zeus. He's at the top. Mm -hmm. If Zeus bites five people, they all become alphas. Depending on how he does it, right? Then they can go and turn around and create other ones, but they can only create shamblers. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's that's what I'm understanding. I'm not convinced that shamblers can create more shamblers like a normal zombie. The queen was an alpha. Yes. Oh, yeah. Any of them, the, 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 the intelligent ones are alphas. Right, right. Okay. Okay, so then the, the other ones create shamblers, but then the shamblers... It almost seems like a hive mind, too. Like, like they all... I mean, not, not quite hive mind, because, you know, it's not like, oh, we killed Zeus, and now all the other zombies are dead. But, like, it's almost like they all obey a specific command from Zeus. Yeah, I do think that there's a caste system that's yes. ingrained into the biology of it, whether whatever you become. Because the zombies, the alphas respond to Zeus's command willingly. It's like like ants. Like, they all have their yeah. roles. That being said, this goes back to your point at the beginning, Pat, when, you know, why w- wouldn't zombies have wandered away from here? Probably not if they're attracted to Zeus and he wants them to be with him. They may that may have been the focal reason why they were able to contain Las Vegas so. Quickly. I don't know if he has total control over the shamblers. Like I know he has total control over, you know, the other alphas. Like you know, because he has his army of alphas that are intelligent. You know, the ones that can fight, the ones that can. You know, it's almost like the uh, the shamblers are used as like they're just there as like an inconvenience and it's like all right we're going to just use these as a they're almost like they're the equivalent of climbing over a fence or walking through a minefield like they're there to kind of thin out the herd a little bit like if someone's coming to attack you but they're not overly important and like they're not going to you know they're not going to fight intelligently they're just going to mindlessly like march towards whatever living flesh they can find and you know if they take some people out fine if not whatever uh but with the alphas you know because there's lots and lots of them uh which kind of goes against the term alpha because generally alpha is one like the one leaders um (laughs) but there's lots of alphas and they all you know they have independent thought and, you know, obviously Zeus can, you know, tell them where to go and what to do, but they all have their own independent thought and their own, you know, unique style. It's almost like whatever they were in life, 
they were able to kind of carry that over, um, you know, which is why we see some of them as martial artists and some of them, you know, like the actual fight scenes that they had, like it was ridiculous. It's like, that's not what a normal zombie would do. It's like, and how would a normal zombie do that? You know, with rigor mortis, which is why I don't think they're zombies per se. I think they're, you know, infected with some sort of like alien space s'more. But to that point, the queen was still moving her eyes and mouth when she had her head taken off. So there is a level of being undead enough that they don't survive as standard biological beings anymore. At least on at least terrestrial beings. Right. Yeah, and that and again, I think that a lot of this is going to be explained once we get the other uh subject matter. So right. it it's Again, there's lots and lots of stuff to speculate and guess and theorize and hypothesize about, but there's also a lot that it's like, you know, was this intentionally left ambiguous or is there a, a larger point that is going to be explained later on? Right, right. A couple more points I just wanted to bring up. One was um, uh, Dave Baptiste's character, Scott Ward, um, he was his little running joke between him and his daughter was um, he wanted to open a new food cart. At the very beginning, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, because uh, Spencer and I didn't get a chance to rewind it. But when he's helping to rescue people in that initial fight, isn't he like standing right next to a food truck? He might be. I honestly I haven't seen it since you know it came out in May. Okay. But so I'll have to go back and check that out because I I also saw online like one of the little Easter eggs was that they were keeping score of how many zombies they killed on the side of the food truck. He oh maybe he was a um a real soldier during during the I guess they call it the zombie wars when he was trying to evacuate people you saw him in full tactical gear. Yeah. He was he's not just some well-trained guy who is deci- oh, okay. who is decisively pulled in. Even Takagawa mentions you know, not too many people get the Secretary of Defense out of Las Vegas and, um, and you know, earn the Medal of Freedom and then work at a burger joint. Right, right. So he was clearly a part of the military for a while. Right. And during this... Because I just conflict. thought it was interesting the way he phrased it. He says, I want to get a new food truck. And so I thought I had seen one at the beginning. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I mean, it, it's it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility, like... Of all the things that happen in this film, um, you know, Dave Batista having a food truck and being a soldier, not really all that far-fetched. Right, right. Especially, he ends up working in a burger joint. So, mm. you know. Yeah. The other thing, too, was we kind of mentioned the blue. What are your thoughts on the blue when we would see blue in their eyes or blue in the fears. Well, blue in the eyes is definitely those are the robots because every time you saw one of those get shot, like you'd see oil, definitely not blood. And, you know, a couple of times you saw like the metallic uh, um, endoskeleton, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, especially that, that one because they, it wasn't exactly like a slow motion, like zoom in. But, like, they definitely lingered on it long enough so that you could be like, wait, is that metal? And then they were on to the next, the next thing. Yeah. So it's and like... I noticed it, and I, I just ignored it. <laughs> I don't know why. 
Like, oh, that might have been a script. But, like, if you notice, like, there's a couple of times, like, they'll get shot and, like, sparks will come out. Like, it's it's really, it's really weird. But, like, it's mixed in with all these other, like, real zombies. And I'm thinking that, like, this might be a way that somebody is kind of keeping track of what's going on inside of Vegas. Do you mean like, you know, like these automatons that are running around because, you know, you couldn't send in humans, but like there's definitely like a Terminator-esque element of this, like, you know, endoskeletons covered in, doesn't have to be living flesh, but, you know, covered in, in meat. Those but from the beginning. It would have to be living flesh for it to be affected by the virus. I mean, if it's a space virus. Well, I don't think could that. Could it just be the aliens? I don't think that the robots are affected by the virus. I think they're just robots. But what I mean is, like, they could get in there without causing any. It's not like you couldn't like do a really good like makeup effects job on somebody and send them in and be like, ah, oh, yeah, go undercover because like they'd get killed. Right. You know, but if it's, you know, dead flesh or just like a meat suit that, you know, you just kind of Frankenstein stitch onto the the robot body, like they're all wearing clothes, so it doesn't matter where the stitches and stuff are. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, I actually liked the alteration in rules from like, they're not just mindlessly trying to eat people. They're just attracted to the body heat. Yes. At least the shamblers are. I thought that was a really, really neat rule that it made sense that somebody like Van, who was, you know, in the in the, the midst of it at the very beginning, right, right. would be like, yeah, we figured this out. We got to microwave the, the arm. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> uh, I did, uh, I would say, though, that the, um, you know, the, the bluish glow, like, from the, the blood from, you know, Zeus, the fetus, you know, some of the alphas, like, that type of stuff, that's... Yeah. Uh, that to me is a sign of the infection. Like, mm, and I, I almost wonder if the the connection between the blue and the fetus and the blue and um, Zeus's head is meant to imply that it was Zeus's kid. Oh yeah, it absolutely it's six was. Years, right? I mean, she can't be pregnant. She can't, you know, she can't have been infected at the beginning of the t- of the time. And if she's in the perpetual state of just, you know, existing with a dead fetus in her, sure. But why would Zeus give that any value in the way? No, I definitely think that, you know, he carefully chose the, you know, the next, uh, you know, it's like the way, you know, certain, certain species in the wild will, you know, selectively choose mates based on, you know, genetic characteristics and whatnot. And they were able to, uh, in this case, like, again, we may find out that he impregnated her before turning her to an alpha. Possibly. She could have been, yeah, one of the ones captured from the, the refugee thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They mentioned that, that a couple that, that happened a couple of times, that for Lily the coyote, she sent, like, three guys in there and possibly, you know, females, and only one of the, only one of the dudes walked out and basically had given the story of if the other two were taken by Zeus. Right, right. And never seen again. Yeah, so, right. you know, we may find out that Lily is, you know, maybe that's like someone she's related to. Well, I mean, I doubt it because she definitely seems like she was a a performer of some sort. Right, based on what she was doing. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Lily definitely uh, used her as a, 
a sacrifice. So, do you guys think this movie has changed the rules for filmmakers uh, for zombie films moving forward? No. I think with, you know, like we talked about with uh, Fido, I think, you know, when we had this explosion of zombie films in, you know, the you know early 2000s, you know, everybody was trying to do something slightly different and, you know, like, okay, everybody knows what the rules are. Let's try and, you know, switch things up a little bit. Because, I mean, you look at, uh, if you look at, you know, uh, contemporary zombies, you know, what's the first thing that everybody thinks? Look, oh, zombies want to eat your brains. And it's like, no, the only zombies that want to eat your brains are Return of the Living Dead zombies. Right. But those zombies also can't be killed with a headshot. But every zombie gets killed with a headshot now. Right. Those zombies, like, no matter what you did, they were they were just alive. Like, they you couldn't kill them. Every little bit of them was alive. Yeah, you had to completely incinerate them, but then they get into the clouds, they seed the clouds, and they rain down and wakes up more zombies. So, like, there's literally nothing you can do to stop the zombie apocalypse. So there's a whole... Even when somebody, like, revolutionizes or something, it doesn't always stick. Or, like, they might take bits and pieces from it. I mean, we right. saw, you know, the domestication of, you know, in both in Fido and in uh, Shaun of the Dead, we saw domestication happen. Yeah. Uh, even though in the Shaun of the Dead one, they still had their, you know, hunger for flesh. And then, you know, with this, like, everybody, they want to eat brains or, you know, they need to eat flesh. You know, they, everybody has their own, like, specific twist on it. Some of them can run fast. Some of them can't run fast, you know. It all depends on who's telling the story and, you know, what their influences are. But I, then you have, like, the Resident Evil zombies that are, you know, uh, designed in a lab. You know, it's a specific virus that causes the zombie outbreak. Then you have uh, 28 Days Later that has the, the rage virus. Or, you know, there's there's a lot of different different aspects, but... I don't think this is going to change it to the point where it's like, okay, this is how zombies are now. They're robots, alien robots from right, the future. Right. Um. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily mean that. I just meant the hierarchy, having them have a little bit more of a... I mean, you know. Brian Keene has done this, and you know, I didn't mean to cut you off, Spence, but like, there's, you know, when you think of like, I guess like World of Warcraft and, and you know, mythology has had this for you know, forever, you know, there's like a, a lich that controls, you know, an army of undead, like, um, an army of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, including, um, it's not, it wasn't Brian Keene. It was, um, <sighs> monster, monster planet, like the monster, uh, series uh, David Wellington, I think is who wrote those. And one of them was about, there was, like, this lich king who controlled mummies. Like, he was a mummy himself, but he was, like, the king of the mummies. And he had an army of mummies that just did his bidding. But, like, every time a mummy was destroyed, it's like, well, there's, you know, there's not a lot of those. And they take thousands of years to make, so, you know, you got to be a little, a little more careful. But like you know, there's there's that. So like this this has existed for you know a while. So I'm. Yeah. It all depends on what you're you know. And if then you really want to get into like Haitian zombies and you know right. like voodoo zombies, like there's 
there's a lot of you know mythology and history to uh, to uh, kind of choose from. Oh yeah, there's a cool black exploitation film from the '70s called Sugar Hill, and it sort of combines the voodoo zombie with the Romero zombie myth. Uh, I thought it, it does it pretty effectively. It's kind of a now Black Rainbow is another one. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's see. Final thoughts on uh, Army of the Dead. I think we've talked quite a bit about this film. Spencey, why don't you go? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it definitely broke the mold for a zombie film. I thought it was well written. Uh, you know, every character I, to an extent, actually cared about, and the few characters that they specifically didn't want me to care about were still characterized pretty well. Um. I thought the the cinematography the cinematography <laughs> was really well done, and you know a lot of care and detail went into every aspect of the movie. So I I think this is a a worthy two and a half hours if you want a good zombie film, but just a good film in general. Uh, yeah, I recommend it. You know, nine out of ten for anybody who wants a decent flick. Pat, I I enjoyed this quite a bit. I mean, I. I love zombie stuff, uh, and I'm always interested in seeing uh, a new take on the genre, you know, if, see who's got different ideas. And I'm a big fan of Zack Snyder, as I've said, and I'm a fan of, you know, his, his version of Dawn of the Dead. Um, I think he was able to kind of take some of the character tropes from other zombie films and put them into this movie, uh, as well as taking some of the... the the characters like the evil billionaires and, and whatnot from his his uh, superhero films and kind of transpose those personalities into the villains of this movie, um, you know, and then combine it. Like, this is a zombie heist movie, which is, you know, not yeah. something that you see very often. It's like generally when you think of something like this, you know, it's this is nothing new, like, you know, like, oh, a bunch of us have to go into the, the, the zombie-infected zone for X reason. Usually it's, you know, supplies, medicine, food, water, whatever. Um, but in this case, it's like, yeah, we're going in because the, the world outside is fine, but we're going in to make $50 million. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I like this. I like the characters. I thought the dynamic was pretty good between them. I didn't like the fact that it's like, oh, we have 12 minutes before the nuke hits. Well, I guess I guess uh, now's a good time to run off and go look for my friend. Um, Here, let me have an emotional moment when we're minutes away from being nuked. I, I, I remember sitting there thinking, I'm like, there's no sense of urgency. Also, Guys, come on. Oh yeah, no, with the with the with the uh, the girl there is like, oh yeah, I really like you. Let's live. Let's have a life together. Oh, you're dead. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, way to, way to, uh, you know, telegraph that move. Um, also, how Zeus got across the city and up to the roof on a horse. Like, he got down through the casino on his horse across town and up to the top of the roof in the same time it took a helicopter to get across town. So, no. Um, that bothered me a little bit. But you know, it it was uh, it was good. Like the characters you didn't like got their comeuppance. Some of the characters you did like also got killed. So it's 
you know, it's realistic. It's not, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien, like all the good guys live and all the bad guys die and everybody lives, you know, 200 years and everyone gets everything that they deserve and everyone's happy and, and it's a good time. Um, yeah. I, I like the fact that this was, you know, chaotic and random. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's what adds to it is, um, sort of like Pat, when you and I talk about the, um, uh, the Shaw Brothers films is you don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. Right. Like, I like that, you know, you know, it's random, random anarchy when it comes to, Yeah. But it's not meaningless. That's the thing, is a lot of zombie films, they have these half-baked characters who are just trying to survive against the world. But in this, it's a, you know, a group of pretty, pretty relatively trained, for the most part, besides the Dieter and Kate, everyone's pretty trained in some level of combat. Right. You know, even, yeah. even Chambers, who we don't know anything about her military history or, or combat history, is, is fine in a fight. So these people all were characterized well. They're all cool characters for the most part, besides those established people we're not supposed to like anyways. And it, it was a very well-written film. Nobody was left behind. There's no, like, cannon fodder, like, okay, cool, here's the red shirt. All right, good. <laughs> well, with maybe one exception. Yeah, like, maybe maybe purpose. Cummings, but, like, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was intentional. <laughs> but yeah, that was a plot point, you know? Like, right, that wasn't right. just a matter of, like, oh, look, here's this guy that, you know, just so happened to join at the last second, and he's yeah. the first casualty. It, it was like, no, 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 it... It actually had some had some importance there, and I, I really enjoyed that. Every, when yeah. everybody died, it act, when somebody died, it actually mattered to the rest of the group. Like, crap, I knew this person. Crap, I cared about this person. And yeah. now this person, who we actually kind of deemed reliable, is not reliable. there. Reliable. I am yeah. a little bummed that nobody used the saw. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I know they used it to cut a hole in the wall, but right. that's not what beginning. you were waiting for them to use it for. Right. I'm going to yeah. use this. Fuck you, you are. You know you're not. Like, that's mine. Get your hands off my saw. <laughs> I mean, like, first of all, that thing's got to weigh what? 60 pounds? That seemed practical to you? No. 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 Like, why have that? Like, the only reason they had that is so they could cut through the wall. Well, yeah, that's a Chekhov saw. Using it at the beginning. It so was Van's weapon of choice. Yeah. Right, that he, he never used. It. That he never used on the uh -huh, zombies. Right. But, you know, that's fine. That's, that's fine, you know. Yeah, this is my favorite gun. Oh, okay. Yeah. It'd be like if Jesse Ventura just carried around the minigun in Predator but never used it. Right, right. Ooh, old painless coming out of the bag. You gonna use that? Nah. That's I'm going to fist fight him. <laughs> no, I just wanted to carry this around because it's 80 pounds plus the ammo pack. One thing I did like about this movie is they weren't afraid to to use the zombie word. A lot of zombie movies, even Shaun of the Dead, were like, you know, don't use that word, you know. What word? The Z word. Why? It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any, though? But, yeah, I agree with both of your assessments on this. I really loved it. It's, it's highly enjoyable. I think uh, it's a different take. It's a fresh take on the zombies. Um, I love the fact that Zack Snyder shot it himself, like physically held the camera and, you know, shot the entire movie. I, I'm totally, totally blown away by the fact that they inserted uh, Tig Navarro in. Because uh, when I first watched it, I had no idea, and you couldn't even tell. And I think that's a huge technical achievement, which may actually, to your point of them releasing it in theaters, that might be for a consideration for the technical uh, award for, uh, for an Oscar. Yeah. Special effects. Because, I mean, if you don't, I think it's like you have to play on a certain number of screens for a certain amount of time in order to be yeah. considered 
for you know uh, inclusion in the Oscars. But again, I don't know what the uh, you know COVID rules are when it comes to this, like how they changed it or altered it. You know, because so many things did not get released in the theater, like say Godzilla versus Kong. You know, was we saw that in the theater. Did yeah, it? That got oh, okay. In the theater yeah. as well. Yeah, Spencer and I saw that. That was theater. a dual release. Um, <laughs> it's actually a lot of the uh, a lot of Disney films are not the one, are the ones that are kind of released exclusively. I found like Milan, the the Milan. Oh yeah, it was supposed to be in the theaters, and then yeah, they just did it. Yeah. No, I get you I there. Okay. Just, I'd like to just point out Tig Navarro's character Peters. There is some subtle comedy with with Peters because Peters is perpetually smoking. When handling and standing next to gasoline yes. tanks, yes, constantly, it's it, it is hilarious to me. And I, I, a lot of the comedy in the movie is that subtle, intelligent humor of like, oh wow, this character, you know, smokes. Okay, cool, that's a neat character trait. Hold on, are they leaning on a gas tank? Right. Hold on, and pouring like, gasoline. Like pour, yeah, pouring <laughs> gasoline into the helicopter and smoking right next to it. I'm like, I'm like, this is this is funny to me. This isn't just like, oh. This isn't just like, oh, wow, that's so, like, that's such a weird plot point or something. That's just, just trying to be funny right. without having to take anything away from the from the scene. Yeah. And that, I, that I thought, was an excellent Because it's subtle. Scene. It's very subtle. You don't yeah. really notice it. You may not even notice it in the first run-through of the movie. Yeah. I only noticed it because I was like, okay, cool. I understand what this scene is for. Let me look <laughs> for any details. I'm like, wait, why is she smoking next to the... Oh, oh, God. And that just made it funny. That made me enjoy the scene a bit more. Every scene with her in it. Yeah, I was waiting for it to explode. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how are they going to get out of this one? Right, right. <laughs> All right, well, that was our, um, our uh, assessment, our analysis of uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead from 2021. And join us again for our next uh, 13 Days of Hallotober. Okay, folks, thanks for joining us today for our special 2021 13 Days of Hallotober series where we focus on modern zombie films. You can send your feedback to thenisnow42 at gmail.com. You can also join in the conversation at our Facebook Then Is Now podcast group. Yeah, and you can find me at the Throwdown Thursday podcast Facebook group or throwdownthursdaypodcast.com where we're always putting out new and exciting articles and episodes and all kinds of random fun stuff. Uh, then is now podcast is a proud member of the Dorkening Podcast Network, so be sure to check out all the other great shows there at thedorkening.com. You can also visit our website at havenpodcast.com, where you'll find our sister show, The East Meets the West, in which we discuss Shaw Brothers films and spaghetti western movies. And Then Is Now is on YouTube, so please visit youtube.com slash user slash UncleDeath1 to get the latest videos as well as other fun videos. Please subscribe to our YouTube page and also share the video versions of our podcast with your friends and get them to subscribe as well. Don't forget to go wherever you download your podcast from and leave us a great review so that more listeners can find us. You could find us on all the podcasting apps, especially the big three, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Class dismissed. Now podcast is intended for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during this podcast are the property of their copyright holders. All original content is copyright Jupiter Media.
For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com. Okay. Do you what? mean 50 years? What did I say? 30, 30 years. years. <laughs> Oops. I'll do that one again. 1968. You're right. I, uh, well, I didn't even write in Army of the Dead. I, I must have been in the middle of my notes and then, like, had a stroke or something. <laughs> um, all right. I'll do that last line again.